right, if you would take your Bibles this morning, we'll be in Luke 14. And as you know, this is a holiday weekend, Memorial Day, and, you know, the unofficial beginning of summer, right? And a great, great uh, time to think about the, uh, you know, those who have paid the ultimate price in the military in conflict and... You know, I, I just, I, th- I thought this was interesting, just looking into M- Memorial Day a little bit. Um, from 1868, when it began, just after the Civil War, to 1970, it was always celebrated on May 30th. It was just every May 30th. But since 1971, I guess, it's now it's been the, the last Monday in May. So a, a, slight, a slight adjustment, but... Um, but, you know, I, I did find this since the American Revolution. More than one million men and women have paid the ultimate price in battle for, for, this, for this nation. So uh, this is not a, a holiday weekend to just, to just forget about that. You know, they, you know, they paid for our freedom, and we should be thankful. So take time this weekend to reflect on, on those who have died in service of our country. Uh, who, who paid the ultimate price? And I, I did also want to mention. Oh, look, look, look at that! I got a, the battery's running low. Here, let's see here. Yeah, well, hopefully we have enough battery to make it here. All right. And birthright. Last week was our birthright donation day, and just a way that we can, as a church, show show love to our. Uh, you know, to those in our community who have unplanned pregnancies and um, just need the, need the love of God. And so there was, um, we, you know, we gave two, $200 in donations, as, you know, along with a lot of diapers and, and wipes and onesies and, and gripe water and all those things. So, you know, I hope to do this every year uh, in May. So a good, good way to show the love of God. Um, you know, we are opposed to abortion, uh, but, you know, it's, it's also good to reach out and do what we can to help these, these women and these families. So, um, our uh, sermon this, this morning is Salty Christians. Salty Christians, that's what I've chosen to call it. You know me, I always like to have some, somewhat of an interesting title. Um, I, th- I thought this, this, was, this was interesting. Um, you know, looking at salt, you know, we're familiar with salt, right? Salt's a pretty common thing in our world. It has been since, since the beginning. But I found this from uh, myspicer.com. Interesting facts about salt. And see if, you, see if you're aware of these things. Uh, number one, only 6% of the salt we use in the United States is used as food. It is used for many other reasons. In fact, only 17% is used for keeping ice off the roads in the winter. Uh, I thought that was interesting. If you soak older, wrinkled apples in a mixture of salt and water, the wrinkles will go away. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's a pretty useful thing. <laughs> you know, maybe. I, I'm not sure. I have to <laughs> you know, there is gargling with, with salt water. That's, you know, that, that's helpful, too. Uh, salt is the only family of rocks that is regularly eaten by people. Uh, boy, that's interesting. Four, mixing salt in, in the water of 
cut flowers in a vase will help the flowers live longer. Tuck, tuck that away. Five, if you rub salt on your griddle, your pancakes will not stick. So, six, here, every cell in your body contains salt. Uh, seven, adding a little salt to your boiling water when boiling eggs will, will prevent the egg from cracking. It also stops the egg from coming out of the shell if it does crack. I've, I've used that and know that to be true. Hard boiling eggs. Eight, you can test the freshness of eggs in a cup of salt water. Fresh eggs will sink and bad eggs will float. So that's something to try as well. Just a, f a few more here. Sprinkling salt in your pantry helps keep ants away. So very, very useful thing. Ten, your body needs 200 milligrams of salt per day to be healthy. So salt, you know, we do need a certain amount of salt as well. And then here, I think this is the last one. You can sprinkle salt be between bricks or rocks where you don't want grass to grow as well. So a lot of, a lot of things that salt is used for. I, I wanted to add one more here that I was aware of. Um, you know, salt, the, the makeup of salt is actually, uh, it's, it's the uh, combination of two poisons. You know, there's, you know, if, if you eat them by themselves, it's fatal. Uh, sodium or chloride, uh, but you com com combine them, and it's very useful. It's salt, uh, so it's very vital for life. It also pictures the Christian life. Uh, so it's, you know, this morning we're going to look at how to be salty Christians. Now, usually when you hear that word "salty" as an adjective, uh, that's not a, a good thing to think of, is it? Usually, that, you know, what comes to mind is somebody who is abrasive or unkind or just mean, right? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about a, uh, a Christian who is ful fulfilling their purpose and creating taste for the, for the gospel. Uh, so um, here in Luke 14, as we've continued through the gospel of Luke, um, here, uh, even backing up to what we looked at last week, back to verse 25, He's talking about discipleship and the high price of discipleship and um, how, you know, it, it's not just an easy decision to, to come to Christ. It is, yes, it is easy to believe. We have the faith of a child and we believe in Christ as Savior, but to continue to walk with the Lord, to be a disciple and a follower is very costly. You know, you... you you, you have to hate your family by comparison to your love for Christ and hate your own life and be, be willing to suffer and be persecuted for Christ and to renounce all. Um, you, know, those, you know, those are not easy things, but they're necessary. And we all need to be willing to count the cost. So here, right after that, he, he talks about salt. Christ, as he's talking to the crowds, he's, he, he brings up salt and has... Has some important things for us to learn. So let's go ahead and read this text. Um, I want to get a running start with it. So let's, let's back up to 25 because I believe verses 25 to the end of the chapter here is all one setting. And so it's important for us to understand the passage in context. Uh, Luke 14, 25. Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to, to, to them, If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father 
and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, if he does not renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. And then here's our text for the morning. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's go ahead and pray right now. Just ask for the Lord's blessing on this sermon. Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you and praise you for the word of God. We thank you that we can profit from it. Uh, Lord, we uh, just pray that as we look together into your word and we look at salt and, and what you expect of Christians. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would guide us. Lord, we, uh, we just thank you and, and praise you so much for this time together. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Salty Christians. And I'm hoping our battery doesn't, doesn't die here. Actually, it just died. All right. <laughs> I guess we won't have a PowerPoint. That's, that's fine. Oh my! Oh, get to watch a movie. Oh my! Yeah, we'll we'll. <laughs> sorry, stay stay for this afternoon. We can watch something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just have to emphasize what blanks we have here as we go. But um, looking at salt is our first point, uh, verses thirty-four and thirty-five. Uh, why it is good? Why is salt good? Well, you know, look at verse 34. It very simply says right at the beginning, salt is good. Salt is good. So there's not a question as to whether or not it is good. It is. Uh, Mark 9.50 also says this. Why is it good? Well, if you go on in the verse, it tells us. And, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Uh, salt is good if it has taste if it fulfills its purpose, if it provides savor or flavor uh, or taste. If salt is good if it's salty. Uh, when, it just, when, you, when you sprinkle it on the food and if you don't notice a difference at all, then it's worthless. Why, why do it? Why use it? Um, it makes bland food taste good and many foods taste better. Um, you know, as, as Christians, as we live the Christian life, as we walk with God, having, having trusted Christ as our Savior, but then continue on, or as you know, said earlier in that text, to continue after Christ, to come after him, um, we, we are to be salt. We are to provide taste for the, for the gospel. We, in a sense, uh, are to, to make 
the gospel more, more, more appealing for the, for the lost, um, in a sense. Um, in a sense, we make the gospel taste better as people look at our lives and the way we live and say, there's something about their life. You know, they're going through difficult times, but they're still happy. You know, they're, they're still, you know, there's something that I want in, you know, that they have. Um, so, you know, the taste, there's also the preservation. Uh, salt preserves. Um, salt that accomplishes its purpose and that is, has the right composition, it does not go bad. It, you know, it remains good. Uh, it preserves. And, you know, back in that day, they, you know, they didn't have refrigerators or freezers. Uh, so to preserve food, they would salt it. They'd put on a good amount of salt, and it would preserve the food for months or even years uh, from one source I read. And very important. Um, and we, you know, as we live in this culture, in this, in this wicked culture with sin all around and seeming to grow worse by the day, you know, we, we as Christians can, can help to preserve the good. And we can stand up against the evils of society. And we can, um, you know, you can stand against those, stand up for the truth. We can live a consistent Christian life. And even if you don't feel like you're accomplishing much, we are helping to preserve as salt. Um, and there's also the aspect of crea- uh, creating thirst. Uh, as uh, salt, you know, as you consume it, you are naturally thirsty. And there's a thirst for the gospel, a, a thirst for spiritual things. Salt is, you know, I, th- I thought this was, was interesting. Uh, salt is, is in scripture a lot more than I had, I had thought. And it, it's all throughout. Uh, in many different contexts, and many, you know, there's a, it's an interesting study to look at. But I like what Job said in Job 6, verses 6 and 7. He, he said, can... That which is tasteless be eaten without salt, or is there any taste in the juice of the mallow? And he says, my appetite refuses to touch them. They are as food that is loathsome to, to me. He said, I don't want to eat bland food. He said, put salt on it. Uh, he just loathes it if it doesn't have flavor. Uh, and maybe you're like that. I know I'm like that. I, Mindy gives me a hard time. I like to season my food with all sorts of different things. And uh, it's good. Uh, Isaiah talks about seasoning uh, the fodder with salt as well. Um, it's all throughout. There's a salt of the covenant. You know, Le- Leviticus 2 talks about how every grain offering had to be salted. Uh, the salt of the covenant, it was called. Um, you know, you're probably familiar with, with Genesis 19 with Sodom and Gomorrah and with Lot and his family and as you know God by the angels the, the angels said escape for your life do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley escape to the hills lest you be swept away and of course you, you know where this is going right they had escaped God was going to send fire and brimstone down and consume those cities and he did but he said, don't look back. It says in Genesis 19, 26, but Lot's wife be behind him looked back. And what, what, and what happened? She became a pillar of salt. She became a pillar of salt. 
Uh, and unfortunately, since the computer died, uh, I had a picture here. There's um, online, I found this picture. There's down along the Dead Sea, which is in southern Israel, there is this, this seven-mile mountain of salt, uh, Mount Sedum that comes from Sodom. But it's entirely a salt mountain, and there's this pillar that kind of looks like a person on it. Very curious, and a lot of people, a lot of scholars think that very well could be the pillar of Salt's wife. Uh, who knows? But it's a, it's a reminder, J Jesus said later in Luke, uh, remember Lot's wife. And, and we should. She looked back. Why did she look back to Sodom? Because her heart was in Sodom. She, she, yeah, she was physically obeying and getting out, but she didn't really want to leave. She was looking back. And we should, we should not be that way when it comes to worldly things. Um, there's the judgment of salt. Um, throughout Scripture, a consistent theme is that salt is used in judgment. Um, in, in Deuteronomy 29, in a prophecy of the coming desolation that will come on Israel, uh, it says in Deuteronomy 29:23, the whole land burnt out uh, with brimstone and salt, nothing sown, nothing growing, with no plant can sprout, and overflow like Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, in Judges 9, there was, a, there was Abimelech who came against Shechem, the city, and killed the people and, and burned the city, and it says he sowed it with salt as well. It was used in judgment as well. Uh, and Jesus in Mark 9, 49, talking about those who through their deliberate choices to sin uh, and to, to reject Christ will be sentenced to hell. He, he says in Mark 9, 49, for everyone will be salted with fire. That's a, that's a symbolic thing of judgment, salt. So there's good things and bad things when it comes to salt in Scripture. There's a covenant of salt. Um, I thought this was interesting. All the covenants, there are most, mo most covenants in Old Testament times, uh, there was, salt had to be present. They would, there different things had to be done to, you know, to, in, you know, to have a covenant made. But there was also a meal that, that went with the covenant. And both parties would sit down to a meal and salt had to be present because of the enduring quality of salt. And, you know, in Ezra 4.14, he talks about how there's the salt between us in a covenant there. He says that we can't have a covenant if there's no salt because salt lasts. So all these different things. And one last one here. Uh, in Second Kings, you had Elisha, the prophet, who hadn't been a prophet long, but there was bad water. And he throws salt into the water and heals the bad water with salt as well. So um, salt is good. And it's used for a variety of purposes. It, but it, it's for taste. And it helps to make things more tasty. Now, why does it go bad? Why it goes bad? Letter B. You know, here it says in verse 34, But if salt has lost its taste, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Um, he says here, salt can lose its taste. And if it loses its taste... You know, the implication here is that it cannot be restored. It has failed. It, is, it has changed. Uh, so, 
you know, this is this is something good to look at. Um, but Chuck Swindoll writes, he says, the idea that salt could lose its saltiness is absurd. Salt cannot change its defining quality without changing its molecules to become something else. Uh, John MacArthur comments, he says, salt normally does not degrade or else it would be of little value as a preservative. Sometimes, however, salt from the vicinity of the Dead Sea was contaminated with gypsum, and if not processed cor correctly, uh, could lose its effectiveness uh, and become tasteless. And so, of course, that was, you know, people in Jesus' day knew that. There was salt that was good and salt that was worthless. Um, I think this is talking here about a person who makes a profession of salvation. They claim to believe in Jesus Christ, yet they don't really trust Christ. Uh, they, they just are hanging on to this world. They're, uh, they appear to be saved, but in time they, they lose their taste. They, they cling to this world. They blend in with this world system. Um, they reveal by their life that, you know, and the, the salt that has lost its savor, that they never believed in the first place. And it's a very sobering concept. Um, they have no desire to live for the Lord or to, to please Him. Uh, Bishop J.C. Ryle puts it like this. He said, the Bible teaches, in fact, that no sinner is so unlikely to be saved as the man who, after making a high spiritual profession, falls away. And returns to the world. And no heart is so unlikely to be changed as the heart which once professed to love the gospel, but afterwards became cold and indifferent to it. What a danger to, to at one point to, to claim to believe in Christ and then over time to just lose that love and to fall back into just blending in with the sinful world and proving that you didn't believe in the first place. Um, but the good news is, as long as you still have breath, you can believe and you can be saved. Um, we, we come to Christ, we need to come after Christ and follow after him as disciples. Um, but as long as you continue being salty, with, you know, go with the metaphor here, as long as you continue being salty and providing that taste, that's a good indication you know the Lord. If you have a desire to continue after and to obey the Lord uh, and to be salt, uh, that is a great in indication that you have trusted Christ. It's when you lose the desire and you don't care anymore and you just throw in the towel. That's, that's not good. That's worthless salt. Um, what, is it, what is this salt good for? Well, verse 35 says it is, it is of no use. Either for the soil, uh, it isn't even good to fertilize the land. It's not even good for the manure pile or the dung hill. Uh, it's, it's not even good to help with decomposition. It's worthless. Uh, Matthew 5.13, in the parallel passage, he says, It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out or cast out. And then he adds a different aspect, and be trampled under people's feet. And we, we're familiar with this, especially being down here in southern Iowa, where we have a lot of ice in the winter, that we do throw down the salt. Uh, and, you know, when it's slick, 
and I think we're all thankful for, for that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it can at least help with that. Uh, but it's really not good for anything spiritually if you just blend in. Um, the second point is uh, living as salt. Living as salt. Um, our, our, our character, first of all, and uh, in Matthew 5, 13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Here he's talking uh, about Christians. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, he explains who we are and what we do. We provide that taste. We, we provide the flavor the world needs to be interested in Christ. Um, we, we provide that taste. It's our character. It's who we are. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you naturally are salt. We are to live that way and provide the taste. Now, letter B, our choice. So A was our character. B is our choice. In Mark 9.50, Jesus says, Have salt in yourselves. Have salt in yourselves. Uh, and be at peace with one another. This is a command. We are to have salt in ourselves. I mean, yes, we believe in Christ as Savior, but, and we are salt, but we are to continue on. We are to have salt in ourselves. This is a choice that we make to, to continue to please the Lord, to, to, to continue on. And how do we do it? Well, in Mark 9.50, it says at the end of that phrase, very practically how to do it. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. You know, we live in a world filled with conflict and division, right? But when Christians are different, when we show the love, the love of God and we, we seek to be peacemakers and, and to, to cultivate peace and get along with other people, that stands out, right? And that shows that we are genuinely salt when you seek to be a peacemaker. So, you know, in a world filled with hatred, we can definitely stand out. And then let her see our consideration. You look at here, here in verse 35, the last verse of Luke 14, our consideration. Jesus says, he ends with this familiar phrase that's used throughout the Bible many times. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Wow, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. How many of you have ears to hear? <laughs> Everyone, I'm sure. Uh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is a common phrase. Um, just meaning, you know, if you can hear this, it, do it. Um, if you have ears and you do, then you need to hear what I'm saying. You hear it by applying it, by putting it into practice. Um, this is important. This is critical to understand. Um, I want you to go to James chapter 1. A very important passage of scripture. When talking about a, 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 applying the word of God, James 1. And hearing, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Starting in verse 19 of James 1. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Um, we're supposed to be quick to hear. Now, that's not human nature, is it? 
we're, we're quick to spout off what we want to say and to tell other people what they need to know. And we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak. God gave us two ears and one mouth for, you know, for, uh, for a reason. We're supposed to, I think, listen twice as much as we speak. You know, like I said, that's hard to do. Um, 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Here we're, he said in verse 19 to listen. Listen to what? Well, primarily the word of God. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. Then you come to 22, this, this all-important verse. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We, we deceive ourselves. We trick ourselves. We fool ourselves. When we think, yeah, I can just hear God's word. I can, I can yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'll just go my way and do my own thing. I'm going to forget it and just, I'm not going to obey it. We fool ourselves. We, we deceive ourselves. Um, and then he goes on, you're talking about how the word of God is a mirror. You know, as you hold the Bible, you hold a mirror. It's a spiritual mirror that, that helps you to see your soul. It helps you to see your condition spiritually. Look at what it says, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Uh, hearing the word of God and doing it. Uh, and so today, you know, with our text about salt, you know, being salty, uh, fulfilling our purpose as Christians, yeah, we, we, we need to continue on. I like what it says there in verse 25. We look into the perfect law, that's the Bible the law of liberty, and we persevere. We continue on, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Do you, do you continue on? Are you, are you continuing to walk with God? Uh, we all must do it. Um, persevere. Continue to be salty and provide that taste. Uh, so the main idea today, uh, what I really hope you take with you from this, is that true Christians are useful to God as salt that, that preserves, flavors, and increases spiritual thirst for Jesus Christ. We are salt. We are salt. So just some, some questions to end with here as we think about that. Am I salt? You know, we need to ask the question. Am I salt? Have I trusted in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior? The Bible tells us that, that each of us is a sinner. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. We all sinned, we all commit sin, and we are all uh, con condemned to hell be 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 because of our sin. Um, you know, it says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
You need to call on Christ as Savior. You need to believe in Him as Lord. And if you, if you truly believe, uh, you'll be born again. And that's the most important thing you'll ever do, is to trust the Lord as your Savior. Uh, if, you're, if you're here today and you say, I don't know for sure, the Bible says you can know if you believe in Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, even, even afterward, I encourage you to come find me if you have any questions. I can help you with that, help you to settle that once and for all. Am I salt? Need to ask, am I adding flavor? Am I continuing on being salty? Am I adding flavor? Am I living for the Lord? Is, does my life match up with the Bible and, and what I claim to believe? Um, am I preserving the good? Am I doing what I can to uphold the good of Scripture and to withstand the evil? Am I increasing a thirst for the saving gospel as well? Some important questions. Um, be, be reminded the next time you use salt, and that might just be in a few minutes when you have lunch, next time you use salt, and each time you use salt, uh, be, be reminded of what you're to do. You're to provide flavor for the saving gospel uh, to, make it more, to make it more appealing. Heavenly Father, we do thank you today for the message of your word, even when it comes to salt. Lord, uh, uh, an everyday uh, thing that, we, that we're familiar with, but Lord, you use it as an object lesson to, to help us to understand what our purpose is, to provide this taste and flavor, uh, Lord, to preserve, to stir up thirst. Lord, may each of us not, not only have trusted Christ as Savior, but be continuing on and to be salty. And Lord, we, we just thank you so much. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.